0: Today, I want to entitle this message. Please help me change. Please help me change. It's the cry of so many hearts on our planet who feel so stuck, stuck in their emotions, stuck in their behaviors, addictions, stuck in awful emotions of jealousy and anger, rage, irritableness, Um, unable to break addictions. These addictions can be alcohol, drugs, addictions can even be addictive thinking that you just can't seem to break free from. And so I wanna talk about this today because The Bible has stunning answers for this. So many people live in a way where they're stuck. You see, the way God designed you and I was that we are born, our parents begin to teach us who we are in Christ, begin to teach us the Word of God, which anchors our souls, our emotions, our belief systems, anchors them. And then as we grow, And we go through the different seasons of life, our personality develops. We're a healthy child, a healthy teenager. We rise up in schools and learn friendships. Uh, We become a healthy single person. I didn't say perfect, I said healthy. Then you get married, Now you must begin to adapt with your personality to understanding and having right thinking in your marriage. Along comes children. And as you raise children, there are different seasons of life. Then you're going to go to the empty nest go over to financial seasons as you learn to work with people and hire staff and meet the needs of those around you in a free market system like we have and so as you develop and learn uh, this personality rises up more equipped more mature able and able to understand the nuances of others' personalities, and to get along with them, to work with them, to team up with them, to network with them. Uh, This is how God has designed us. But then there are those, for some reason, who get stuck, and there's no development of their personality. They feel stuck in certain emotions. They feel stuck in certain behaviors. And I'm gonna to just touch on this lightly, but I, I wanna to explain to you the problem before we begin to go for the solution. Because people who do not develop often in their angst and in this conflict, they begin to blame those around them for the inadequacies in their lives. Now, going along with that problem, is the church of Jesus Christ, who seems to feel like it's good enough to get people born again and make heaven. Granted, that's the single most important thing. Where are you gonna spend eternity? Eternity without Christ would be a horrible thing. But while we're on this planet, Jesus has prepared something for us. Now, the Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, you, are a new creature. Now, the word new creature here, it means new as in you are fresh, energized, special, but it also means that you are a part of a new species that has never been seen before. You are uncommon. You are unique. You are special. You are set apart. And here is where Christianity, I believe, and most of it, has failed to bring truth to believers. Instead, we want to just continue to confess we're just sinners saved by grace. Now, what you call yourself is your identity. So the Bible doesn't call you a sinner once you're born again, even though you make mistakes, even though you do things that are wrong, your identity, your nature has been changed. And so when you say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, I receive you as Lord and Savior, something amazing takes place deep in the part of you called your spirit. You are completely remade. The old you dies. It's the only way God can explain it to us. There is just a complete end to every facet of your old life's feelings and emotions and and anger and angst and selfishness. and It's an end to it. And then he pours himself into you. And when he pours himself into us, our spirit, there is nothing left that you have to worry about. And he seals your spirit, a sealed unit, This is a new species, a new creation. And then the Word of God teaches us to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's saying they there better be in you and I, this amazing awe that goes, I need to put on the outside of me what's on the inside of me. I need to be who I am. I need to be who I is because everything I've been trained in so far has been in the old life, that old self- Centered, low self-worth, never good enough, or arrogance. But arrogance is often because you feel so small on the inside. So this incredible new species that you are uncommon, you're unique, you're special, it must come out into your mind, your emotions, and your physical body. Your emotions, your behavior. They impact your character development. And to think that, well, I can't control my emotions is wrong. That's not what the Word says. And so as we look into the Word, we have to reject all that we have been taught if it is against the knowledge of the Word. I love psychology just as a quote-unquote science. I've read so much. I know so many great people in the field But psychology sees a man as a two-part being. So you're a body, and then they are in awe of the mind and the conscious and the subconscious, and they'll divide it up in all of their areas, and then they'll, they'll diagnose you with what behavioral problem you have, what personality disorder is yours. And because they can name it, they think they can understand it or change it. But really honest... Counselors and psychiatrists will tell you very clearly, although I cannot change what goes on deep inside of you, we do not know how. I can assist you in your behaviors, to control behaviors, to begin to monitor and handle better your emotions as they burst out, etc. But the Word of God does not teach that way. And because of that, if you've got disorders or named things, the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible clearly divides things into two parts. The old you has a residual. The residual is your memory banks. You remember the pleasures you had. You remember how you handled people, how you manipulated people, uh, your passive aggressiveness, getting what you want, etc., etc. But the Bible says... Pick up your cross daily and follow me in Luke. Pick up your cross. What does that mean? A cross is a symbol of death. Well, it means die to the self-centered you. Then it goes on to say, those who seek to find their life lose it. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's that supposed to mean? It means in your strength, with your ability as just a human being if you only in your thinking with the advice of others uh, live your life you're going to lose everything that's dear to you on the inside you're not going to have the dreams the things that you really want but if you lose your life you'll find it what by losing it it means you give up your thinking, your preconceived beliefs that got you this far, but will never get you further. And you submit them to the word of God as the authority. And you say, you created me, so who am I? And then you take the word of God for the truth on that. If you do not Take this incredible new species, this new life, this new you that is deep within your spirit. And it is now your nature. If you do not take this and put it on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans says. Ephesians 4 says, put off the old emotions, the old behaviors, the old thinking, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do not do this amazing, stunning, incredible thing, put off, put on, put off, put on. This is the only hope we have to enjoying down here. Thank God you're born again, and heaven is a guarantee. But who wants to spend the next 60 years living like hell? Feeling like hell? With emotions that you can't seem to control, and feelings that seem so real to you, and situations you can't seem to change. That's not a part of the new species. And as children grow and develop, if there's been areas that have been stunted, or they've been hurt, broken-hearted, And this development of who they are um, has them stuck. You can stay stuck in a developmental phase the rest of your life. You can stay stuck in something you should have learned at age five for the rest of your life and act like a five-year-old in certain areas. And then often people who have never learned to put off, put on, they cannot be wrong because they have such fragile self-worth that to be wrong, they're not sure they can make it through a situation where they're wrong. And so they have to be right. And you need to see that. And and if this is you, that that, that this is the human condition that I I must feel right because I'm trying to hold together everything about my self-worth and and who I am. And so to be wrong again, I just can't handle that. So I must point my finger out because I don't want to point it in. And that's why your relationships are all garbage. Because you have to find someone else to be the fall guy for why you feel the way you feel, why you can't get results the way you want results. And so we live in the greatest pain possible, relational pain, the lack of healthy relationships. We can't build healthy relationships because the Bible has a principle that says, love your neighbor how much? And some of you hate yourself, if you're gonna be really honest. You look in the mirror and you despise yourself. You'll bang your head or your fist against a mirror and just feel what is wrong with me. You walk into any situation and feel like I don't belong. You'd prefer to isolate yourself from people than to have friendships because every friendship is imperfect. There are no perfect people except perfect moments. And everyone needs relationships but you won't know how to build them because at the deepest level, you'll only have as good a relationship as you love yourself. And a relationship is only as good as the weakest person in them. If you're married, you should count your spouse as your best friend. But God made marriage beautiful and perfect. It's the people in the marriage (laughs) that are flawed and need to work at it. But the person who works at it the least gives you the measurement of the health of that marriage. And so today, I want to show you how powerfully and easily you can change. Now, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, good luck. But when you've received Him as Savior and Lord, and He comes within your very heart, you are empowered to not only legally be a new species, not only legally to be forgiven, not only legally in the mind of God the curse has been dealt with. Not only legally are you seated at the right hand of the Father and have and you stand with Christ's authority when you walk this planet, but you can experience it. You see, legal is not enough if you can't experience it. And the word teaches us how to experience this beautiful redemption that Jesus bought and paid for legally with us. You see, I'll I'll give you an example. Some of you'd like examples. Right now, you could have an account with $100,000 in it. Your name on it. It's in the bank records. It is yours to take as you please. But if you do not know about it, it is still legally yours, but you will never experience it. What it could do for your house, your home, your children, school, etc. Legally yours, unobtainable to experience. So today I want to share something with you that, that you need to be very aware of. That with Christ, deep on the inside of you, you have all the things legally the Bible promises. But how do you experience them? How do you bring them into your world? Most people are outward focused, which is why we live in such turmoil. You see, if you really believe that somebody other than you is responsible for how you feel, somebody other than you is responsible for a lack in your life, somebody other than you is keeping you from walking out the life that you dream of, then you are in the process of dealing with another person or persons, and you will manipulate them. You'll passively, aggressively try to change them. You'll do anything in your power to change whatever thing this person you feel has on you, but it's a lie. It's a lie. Nobody, no one has the power to hold you back, from what God has prepared for you. No one has the ability, unless you give it to them, to make you feel certain emotions. No one has the ability, not even God. When I say that, people go, don't say that. There's a powerful scripture in Isaiah where God says, whom will I send? Who will go? Talking about a situation there. It shows you the heart of God in those two beautiful sentences. He's not saying, you take guy number four, fifth row back, two over, get it, and make him go. That's you get. He doesn't manipulate people or force people. He doesn't use passive aggressiveness. He doesn't use, uh, you know, holding himself back, denying people. He doesn't do any of that. And those words, they show you the incredible love of God. Who will go? He's not going to go. You get, because love will never be enjoyed or even known where you use force. Wherever you use force, your heart will sink into such unhappiness. Because even though you can fool others that behind the scenes you're, you know, you're manipulating this person, you're holding things back till they give you what you want, and and you tell me you love me. Now, but inside, you'll never know and experience the love of God because force never works. Healthy people are always growing and developing in, this, in their personalities. Now, in Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 to 6, it teaches us, I'll, I'll read it to you. What is man that that you are mindful of him, and and the Son of Man, that you care for him, God, yet you made him a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and honor, which means dignity and worth. I I just need to stop here. I'm I'm never going to make it through this message anyway. (laughs) You are crowned with dignity. If I had a crown up here that said dignity and worth, and on behalf of God, I could just slip this thing on your head. He's already done it. He has given you dignity and worth. And no one can take dignity from you. No one. That's the dignity that comes from God himself. This value that we call self-worth, or more accurately in the word, it's dignity and worth. What your worth has been established by God before the foundation of the world, and you are crowned with it. Your spouse should not be able to touch it. Your children, your enemies, your dad, your mom, your your, your crazy uncle, or bitter aunt, or whatever, or teacher that said you're the most likely to fail, or the bully of the classroom that tried to make you feel small, or whatever is going on that is broken heart. When you begin to recognize that you are crowned, according to Psalms 8, with dignity and worth. Then you don't need to look to anyone else. You should never look to your spouse for your dignity and your worth. You should live in it, know it, and enjoy it so that you can make this relationship and take it to the places God intended it to be. But when you hold someone hostage, for the feelings that you have and the desire, it's not going to work. So here he says in Psalms 8, chapter uh, 8, verses 5, he crowns you with glory and honor, which is dignity and worth. And he's given you the dominion over the works of his hands and put all things under his feet. The main reason we do not develop our lives and character is because we've never become deliberate about it. We never decide what kind of a person do I want to be. We just assume that the way we relate to others is good. Yet, the way we relate to others is always a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. (laughs) How much are you to love people? Love your neighbor as yourself. You have no ability... To love people more than you love yourself. The word love means to value. Like we use that term, oh, that guy sure loves himself. We use that term as in arrogance or thinking higher of themselves. But the word is using it. If you do not love and value the creation God made you and how that you are crowned with dignity and honor and who you are and how special you are, you will never. Now, you say, well, oh, I love my kids. Even that love will be tainted and you'll need them. And they can't wait to get out of home and they won't be back much because a needy, needy parent who needs them to make me feel worth, to make me feel dignified, at least as a parent, they, as that child leaves home, they have nothing to present to them dignity and worth because they have not done the work of receiving this dignity and this worth from God. One of the things we've seen in 40 years of marriage counseling is marriages. Where, you know, you get married, you wear beautiful white dresses and black suits and, 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 you, know, and, and you just have beautiful poems and, and it's all about. But if, if one of those two does not know the dignity and worth that comes from God, that they are crowned in it, they will look to the person to give it to them. The Bible says the leech has two sisters give give you'll never be able to give enough to meet the need in that spouse that only god can do but because a person who doesn't have self-worth as i said earlier cannot be wrong because they feel it destabilizes what little self-worth they've built in this inaccurate way and in this wrong way it feels like it'll all come down like a house of cards And so they'll fight for years and decades, argue and blame and look at their spouse, when instead they should remove and cut all umbilical cords that you have given other people who don't want them to your needs. And that must go only to God as a vertical relationship. And only when that vertical relationship with God shows you how special and unique you are, crowned with dignity, crowned with worth, that's you. And now accepting that and walking in that and marinating in that so that nobody can take it from you. Now you can love at a level this world has never seen. Now as a new species, an uncommon person, unique, the church of Jesus Christ started on the day of Pentecost. And a born-again believer can enjoy these things, not just promises of healing and health, but can enjoy the peace and the vitality on a world that has failed. With the kingdom of darkness pushing at everything that you do, you rise up. Because of the confidence you have in Christ, you can build such healthy relationships. Wherever Jesus went, people flocked him by the thousands. All of us dream, if I could go back in a time machine, what would I do? I'd be the 13th disciple, man. I'd be wanting to follow Jesus around for three and a half years, because there would be no brother. He was the firstborn. There would be no human being that ever walked the planet that couldn't look at you with eyes that just made you want to stand up with him, that couldn't look at you with such acceptance and such love that everything within you just melts off with the desire to know this man. That's our Jesus. And the Bible says that as he is, so are we in this world. You have to on purpose make a decision. What do I want to look like emotionally? What do I want to look like in my behavior? Because all of us have emotions and behavior that are sin. Now the Bible says in Galatians 2 20, I have been crucified with Christ, killed. Nevertheless, I live but it is not I, but it is Christ who lives within me. That word Christ means the anointing, the anointed one lives within me. Okay, and then it goes on to say, and the life that I now live, this is your emotional life, your physical life, your relational life, uh, just every area, of your financial life, I live by faith in the Son of God. Uh, You don't live by faith in your spouse. At the core. You don't live by faith in your banker. You don't live by faith in your kids. You don't live by faith in your parents. You don't live by faith in your family name. You live by faith in the son of God who died in your place. Here is such incredible concrete, dignity, and worth. Such amazing love that you sense, that you experience, that you know. But you must do the work. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There better be something in you that just awesomely goes, what Jesus has done. I must move from the legal to the experiential. Many marriages don't move from the legal to the experiential. Are you married? Yes. It's legal. Got the paper. Whoop-de-doo. Will you experience the incredible friendship, companionship, love, romance that God's designed? The jury's out. We'll see if you'll change. And your marriage is nothing wrong with marriage. It's not flawed. It's the people in the marriage. And so both must encourage each other, not manipulate each other, not use anger or irritableness or anything in any way to force because then love begins to drift off and that person will only know anger. And if you decide to change for somebody else, you will begin to loathe that person because you're changing for them and they could never give you the accolades and enough back that would really help you to rise up and be who you are. This ebb and flow of self-worth that you want to come from a spouse, for example, in your life. It will never be enough. And so you must free them. You must cut every umbilical cord to every person that you hold responsible for why you can't do something. You must turn to Christ. This is picking up your cross daily, dying to self-centeredness and saying, I put my faith in Jesus. In Romans chapter 13, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, it says, you have not learned Christ like this. Verse 22, put off your former conduct. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, put on the new man. This is an absolutely crucial part of the Christian experience that I would have to say more than 90% if I was to to take a poll of who I meet and talk with and try to counsel and help out with, more than 90% of people have never finished putting on the Lord Jesus Christ where they are putting off things that he would never do, say, feel, think. And they're putting him on, his actions, how he thinks, how he feels. The Bible says to know the ways of God, who could know them? But then it says, but we can have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? His feelings, his love, his thinking, his emotional makeup, his relationship expertise. We can have the mind of Christ. This should be something that every individual person is working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. To all you single people, stop looking for just the packaging. It seems to sag after a few years anyway on both. And, and, look for someone who knows they are in Christ, the love that you can have with that kind of a person as the maturity within them to look past your flaws, past your needs. Dottie Rambo wrote a song to all you country fans decades ago. He looked beyond my faults, that he saw my needs. If you wanna change lives wherever you go, please do the work of putting off, putting on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ so that wherever you go, you bring glory to his name, to his kingdom. And if the church would do this, Instead of just looking for new keys to bring people, instead of looking for new keys to help others out, and only feeding them on the streets, or only, and we want to help people every way we can. But if we could simply work out our own salvation with this awe, oh, because there's a life ahead of you that is so uncommon, so unique, so beautiful, that it would affect everything around you. Father, I pray that the things we've touched on will never be forgotten. I pray that we would all look to Jesus as the very author and the finisher of our faith. I pray that that we would release people from our judgments and cocoon with you every day for a little bit and remind ourselves of who we are according to you, crowned with dignity and honor, the apple of your eye. I'm a new species, I'm a new creation. I am who you say I am, and not anyone else. I stand alone before you, one solitary life, saying I am who you say I am, and I'm gonna be who you say I is. Every head bowed for just a moment, all across the auditorium for all of those that are here that need to give their lives to this Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer so powerful that when you pray it and mean it, you'll never be the same. He will come into your spirit and he'll never leave you or forsake you. This is not religion. This is a beautiful, amazing thing that Jesus died for. He took your sin. He took everything you deserve to have negative. And he says, if you'll just believe on me and accept me, I will be with you. Before I pray out loud, and we're all going to pray it out loud with every head bowed across the entire auditorium for all of those who would say, pastor, include me today. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Just you folks. Open your eyes and would you wave at me until I see you. All across right hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Others, give me a quick way. Thank you, thank you. Hushes are helping me. Thank you. Thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't miss this. If you've never made a decision for yourself that says, God, I give you my life. I need you, now is your chance. For those watching by television, Calgary and all around the world, pray this prayer as we all pray it with you. Out loud, would you join me with all these amazing folks making this decision? The prayer goes like this. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus who won for me a place in your family forgiven with a new life i accept come into my heart jesus as my lord and savior and teach me your ways from today and on in jesus name amen welcome to the family of god that's how cool that is how beautiful that is